you're quiet. One more. He is risen. All right, have a seat. My name's Brad. Where's the weirdest place you've ever had a party? You could, on a boat? How about any other places? Weirdest places you've ever had a party? My buddy's wife told us to hide in the bathroom. This is where we've had the party. Uh, it was a surprise. We were the surprise guests. There were four of us. And uh, she said, go hide in the shower. And we all looked at each other and went, What? It was his birthday. He was coming back from work. He had no idea that we would be there. She was in charge, and we just did what she told us because she's the boss. And so we hid in the shower. It's an unlikely place, but we were secret about it. It had all the marks of a surprise party. We were secret. Uh, We were were ready. Uh, Later, there would be gratitude, but we hid in the bathroom because when my friend comes home from work, she said... The first thing he does is go to the bathroom. Kind of, okay, potty talk, we'll get over it, we're fine, we're adults, most of us. But this is where we hid. And so the four of us college friends, we'd been in weirder places together at once. And so this was kind of like, yeah, what's up, what's up, what, this is nothing new. And so we hide in the shower. And uh, we pull the curtain over and we hear our buddy walk in. And he walks in, he kisses his wife, he puts the bag down. And then the thought came, how long do we wait? Do we want to be here for all of that. And so we decided, no, uh, we were, we were going to blow the surprise before the events of the bathroom took place, which is probably the wider, wiser thing to do. And so all of a sudden we rip open the, the, uh, we hear the door short, we rip open the shower curtain, surprise. And the guy just looks at us and he about fell over. It was the weirdest place that I've ever been for a surprise party, but it worked. He was surprised. Uh, there's weirder places. Uh, we read of one earlier today. There was a place uh, in the cemetery where there was a surprise party. A surprise party in a cemetery. Last place you'd probably ever think to be looking for surprises. But after John and Peter came and, 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 and found the tomb, Mary hung around. She'd been there earlier that day. She came to the tomb. You can read on in John. And it comes and Mary comes to the tomb. She finds that everything is empty. She, she's walking to the tomb early morning before the sun was rise. She comes and she's going there to pay her respects. She's not expecting much. In fact, she's probably, it's a heavy walk. She, she was there when Jesus was taken down from the cross. She was likely there when they put him in the tomb. She was most likely there when they rolled the stone in front of the tomb. And now she's coming back with about 75 pounds worth of spices and embalming fluid to honor the body. And, and she's not expecting a leisurely walk. By now, death's odor should have been pretty strong. We've, we've all smelled dead things. And she's expecting this, but she keeps walking. And as she turns the corner that morning, you can kind of maybe imagine it with your eyes. She turns the corner into that garden and she sees the stones gone and the gasp that she might have. Like, (gasps) what's happened? You see, the stone was there so that uh, the soldiers, they, they were there to protect the tomb so that no one would steal the body. And now the stones moved, the soldiers are gone, and she thinks, uh oh, I might be the one, the prime suspect. And so she runs. You would run too. We all would run. She goes back to where the disciples are staying. They were at their homes or they were in the upper room. We don't know where they were hanging out yet, but she runs back and she gets Peter and John and says, hey, he's gone. 
And they run. Peter and John, the guy who writes this, is very quick to point out that he ran faster than Peter that day. He ran faster and got there first. Peter was also older, so it was probably a young joke, uh, a young and old joke. John also lived longer than Peter, so he's probably writing this going, Haha, Peter, got you now. I got the last word, and you can't argue with it. He writes, and they both go into the tomb. Peter comes out bewildered, like, I don't know what's happening. John comes out believing, and they run back to where they came from. But Mary stayed there. She didn't go anywhere. She stayed put. She probably didn't have any place to go. We, we don't know why, but she was alone, and the text points out that she was weeping. The two others had gone home, and she's alone in her grief. But then something happened, and, and we don't know what drew her in. Maybe, maybe she heard a noise inside the tomb. Maybe, uh, maybe she heard voices. We don't know. But then she decides that she's going to look in the tomb. Her heart told her that the other two went in. Maybe I can go. Whatever the reason, she does, and as her eyes adjust, she sees, the, uh, John tells us that she sees two glowing figures, angels, men, sitting on both sides of the slab where Jesus would have laid, kind of like candles would be set on the altar in the temple on both sides of that where they, they were sitting, illuminating the whole cave. And they ask her this, why are you crying? Why are you crying? And, and kind of if you think about it, where is she? She's in a cemetery. Would you ever ask somebody in the cemetery why they're crying? It's kind of a rude question, unless they know something you don't. And Mary talks back and says, they've taken my Lord, she says, and and I don't know where they've put him. They've taken him. He's gone. She still calls him, though, Lord. As far as she knows, his body's been carted off by grave robbers. As far as she knows, maybe it was the Romans that took him and, and, and hid him away. And she's like, where, where did you put him? But that word Lord stands out. She still calls him that. It's a sign of devotion. She's still following Jesus. After days of pain, Friday was brutal. Saturday, remembering all what happened Friday, all the the dreams and hopes that were gone, she still calls him Lord. And the other guys just sitting on the tomb, they they were angels, spoil alert. They were sitting in the tomb. They just let her walk out and her eyes are in tears. And then she bumps into somebody on the way out. And, And eyes full of tears, the person again asks her, why are you crying? And you want to go, dudes, read the room. Why is she crying? And then he, he, she says, uh, he, woman, why are you crying? The uh, person says, who is it that you're looking for? And you can hear the frustration as she answers. She says, thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you carried him away, just tell me where you put him and I'll go get him. We've all heard this tone, either from our mother or our significant other. We've heard that frustration tone. You know what it is. Where did you put him? And he doesn't leave her in suspense for too long, but he leaves there just long enough. Kind of like my buddies and I hiding in the shower. How long do we let this just sit? And then Mary, her eyes clear up. And she starts walking away and walks right past him. And then the voice of the gardener, she thought, says, Mary. And there was something about that voice that caught her attention. She recognized it. 
Jesus talked earlier that his sheep will recognize his voice and she heard his name in the angelic godly tone that he likely had at that moment and she ran and hugged him and called him Rabboni, which is what all of the disciples called him when they followed him. Her eyes cleared up. She heard the voice. What, what, pain, uh, uh, what pain blurred out, she heard with her ears. It was an unlikely place, but Jesus appears in the strangest of places, and oftentimes in the strangest of places, he's doing the strangest things, even planning a surprise party in a cemetery. An unlikely place that was met with wide eyes, amazement, and then gratitude. But there's some keys that we can find in Mary that if we want to be surprised by God, we have to follow. The first thing is that in order to be Mary for, to be surprised, she had to be there. She had to be present. She could have left. And she could have run back home, but she didn't. She could have slept in that morning, but she didn't. She could have stayed away out of fear. She, something could have happened to her, but she didn't. She showed up. And in that place of pain, in that place of hurt, in that place of disappointment, in the middle of her trauma, in the middle of it all, she showed up and guess what? God surprised her. When was the last time you allowed God to surprise you? When was the last time, and maybe you can think uh, about it, when was the last time God surprised you at all? We like to think we know how God works. It's one of the things we do as humans. We, we think we understand it. We, we think that, that we've got the code broken when it comes to God. We've charted tendencies. God is a computer, we act sometimes. Or if we just push the right buttons, click on the right things, the certain key commands, insert the right idea, and then God will do exactly what we think God will do. No variations, no alterations. This is what God is. It's kind of like a jukebox. You guys remember jukeboxes? Am I dating myself here? You put, in the, you put in the tithe, you put in your, your offering, you go to church, you punch in the right numbers, and then bam, you have divine music playing all around you. Whatever song you wanted to hear is what's playing around you because we get to dictate what God does, right? No, it's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. Because what happens when life falls apart? What happens when the person leaves? What happens when the diagnosis is bleak? What happens when what's planned doesn't go as planned? What happens if you're like Mary and you've done everything right and death seems so final? What do you do? If you're like me, I tend to blame God. It's his fault. Or I'll, I'll, I'll question God. How can God, who's good, let this happen? Or maybe you walk away. Maybe it's like, I don't want to be, have anything to do with that. Whether it be Jesus, God, or his people, I want nothing to do with it. And so we do what we think Mary would have done that day, and we abandon. We abandon hope, we abandon Jesus, and we abandon faith. But look again at Mary. She had every reason to abandon, but she didn't. In fact, John points out she lingered. We all have those friends that linger just a bit too long. Yep, that was Mary. She lingered just a bit too long. She stayed close. She was close at the cross. She was close at the burial. And she was close at the tomb. And Mary shows us one of the most beautiful things about Easter. Is when we think life is at its worst, 
Jesus surprises us with his best. However, in order to see the best, we have to be around to see it. We have to remain close. This is what Easter shows us. This is why today's a big day. That when life is at its worst, Jesus is at his best. When Jesus is working, when we don't think anything else works, when we think we've ruined everything, God is up to something new. But in order to see it, you have to be close. It's an unlikely place to be surprised by God. And sometimes the tears in our eyes blur out what God is redeeming. They blur out what God is restoring. They blur out the resurrection that is taking place all around us in our lives. The beauty of the resurrection is that you and I are made new. But in order to see it, we have to remain close. And the most unlikely places, God is putting things back together again. And here's what I mean. Mary was in a what? She was in a garden. And did you notice what she mistook Jesus for? A gardener. John is careful when he writes details. And, and he's pointing to something. And when you look at it, you, have, you pay attention and you go, she's in a garden. And John, John, John calls it a garden. When was the last time that, well, the first time that a garden was mentioned? If you flip at the beginning of your Bibles, look at the cover, open it up. First page, chapter two. The first time you see a garden in scripture, what's happening? God is in a garden. And then in Genesis 3, as you turn the page, uh, we fouled things up. Sin entered the world. Brokenness came. Pain came. Abandonment became part of what we do. They hid from God. They hid from the gardener. And then God found them. God knew where they were the whole time, but he says, where are you? And then they find him. And then one of the last scenes that you see in the garden is God talking to a woman in a garden saying, this is the punishment for our sin. And now here you see Jesus, God himself, in a garden talking to a woman. And he's saying, I'm risen. The punishment for our sin that was listed in the first garden is being taken care of in the second garden. And we're invited to begin something new in the most unlikely places of pain. John is showing us this, that the place of brokenness is often where God begins. But we have to show up in our brokenness to allow God to heal it. John shows us God talking to a woman with tears, only this time the tears were being wiped away. Oftentimes, God begins working right where we've abandoned him. God begins working in the first garden, and it took Mary lingering in the second garden to show us that God's work was accomplished. A surprise party that the curse was gone. A surprise party that life can be made whole again. A surprise party that death no longer is in charge. A surprise party that evil's been vanquished, and we can have hope that eternal life is ours to have. Today, you might find yourself in an unlikely place. You're in a church. That might be unlikely. It's, not, it's before 10 a.m. That might be unlikely. But you found yourself in an unlikely place and you're hearing a message that God meets you in this place. And as you linger close, maybe you'll hear something that Mary did. And you'll peek your head inside that place, just like Mary did, and you'll find that Jesus is working even in the places that you don't think he is. Perhaps today you've already abandoned. You're miles down the road. Things haven't gotten any better. In fact, when you're honest, it's likely worse than it was. 
Perhaps it's time that we all return to the cemetery and see that God is bringing things back to life. Perhaps it's time we return to the garden and find a surprise party and the one who was invited is Jesus and he's surprising us with newness. Perhaps you'll walk into an unlikely place. This is the beauty of Easter. We could always come back to the tomb. We can always come back to the place where we lost hope and find it again. He's risen. He's risen indeed and we can rise with him. An unlikely place for a surprise party, a cemetery. An unlikely place for a surprise party, the pain in your life. Will you show up and allow God to meet you in that place? Would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you that you surprise us in these places. And Jesus, there's people in this room that are in various places of their journey. Some have abandoned. Some just don't have hope. Some haven't gotten what they've wanted. And Lord, my prayer is that you meet them there, in those places. And you shout out, you rip open the curtain like you ripped open the tomb, and you say, surprise, new life, it's yours. God, may you meet them in that place today. And perhaps you're skeptical. Perhaps it's, it's not something that you'd normally do. This whole idea of Jesus is weird but you hear something. Something in your soul is, is stirring and you're curious and, and you want to look in, but you're afraid to. It's pretty easy to look in and all you have to do is repeat after me, really. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising again. Now would you help me put my life back together so I can have eternal life with you now. That I can find hope in darkness. That I can find peace in the pain. That I can be surprised in this place in my life. We thank you, Jesus, that this is the hope of Easter. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.